Hello, hello to my listeners. On today's episode, Rosalia and I are going to be talking about preparing for birth with nutrition. We get into exactly why nutrition plays an important role and what are some of the problems that it can help you overcome or perhaps avoid. Rosalia explains the connection between the food we eat, suggesting that one thing influences the other and even depends upon the other for smooth operation which is why a holistic approach is often the one that she prefers. Rosalia explains how she works with her clients and some of the amazing results that she notices from people who follow this process. I was amazed to find out some of the powers that vitamin D has, for example, on pain coping. Have a listen to find out and contact Rosalia if you feel like nutritional preparation for labor is something that you want to know more about. Are you ready to start? Let's go. Welcome to the Birthing in Finland podcast, brought to you by the Nest Doulas. I'm Danielle Bensky, a mother and postpartum doula specializing in maternal well-being and psychology. Each episode, you'll hear eye-opening interviews with some amazing people who support families in Finland just like yours will help you navigate what it means to birth in Finland, growing your confidence on your parenting journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into our daily dose of birthing in Finland. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Birthing in Finland podcast. Today, I have the pleasure <laughs> of speaking to our nest doula, Rosalia. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's wonderful to it's, be here. So good to have you. We are going to be chatting today about nutrition and nutrition specifically in preparation for labor. So usually when we talk about preparation for labor, we can think about learning new things or doing pain coping or For example, things that we spoke about in this episode with Sonia about pre preparation for birth. But here we are talking about nutrition, which is maybe new to some. So would you want to start off by explaining a little bit like what are some of the challenges and problems that people may run into in birth, which you have from experience noticed that nutrition helps to mitigate or to, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so it's really important, I think, to have people understand that nutrition is a huge part of pregnancy and birth, uh, as well as preconception and postpartum. I mean, there's there's so many uh, facets to nutrition that we are unfortunately unaware of in today's age. Uh, when you're going for your first uh, prenatal checkup, they're checking that your hormones are working and that they're increasing for the pregnancy. But there's very little given to the pregnant person in terms of actual information about nutrition. They're given a list of what not to eat, all right? All the taboos, you can't have these things. Partially, in most cases, it's not explained fully why these foods are on this list. And other times, it's just, you know, maybe it's said that, oh, they're not good for you in the pregnancy. 
And as we've noticed going through the years, especially here in Finland uh, with international families, we notice that many people question these things because in their own country, maybe these some of these foods are acceptable. Okay, so when we come across nutrition, a lot of the time it's about what you cannot do. Mm-hmm. But very, very little information is actually given to people about what they should be doing. And the pregnancy is a state of being that is different from when you are not pregnant. And so your requirements in pregnancy change. Uh, we used to have the saying that you're eating for two, right? Mm. And this then, of course, made people eat double the amount of food that they were eating. <laughs> and in reality, that is not the case. You shouldn't be eating double the amount of food. But your caloric intake should obviously increase as you progress through the different trimesters. So your first trimester, you might not have to increase too much, but you do have to pay attention to certain foods. And then as you're getting into your second trimester, then your caloric intake should increase because there is a lot of inner work that is happening to build your baby. So I like to talk about nutrition in terms of uh, building blocks. They are your body's building blocks for creating what your body needs, not only to maintain the pregnancy, but also to prepare you for having this baby. Mm. And what I'm noticing is that we have such an increase in uh, the need for inductions during uh, to get people into labor or even augmentation of labor because the labor just is not going according to plan there's not enough force behind those contractions to actually steadily progress the labor and a lot of this can actually be down to nutrition or deficiencies in nutrition that do not help the body create enough of the hormone that is needed for labor to progress Mm-hmm. And so for many years now, I've been focusing on nutrition uh, for labor and birth preparation. Uh, recently, I've started adding on both other ends, so the preconception as well as postpartum. But at the moment, my primary goal is pregnancy nutrition as well as the last four weeks of pregnancy where we know that at the end of the pregnancy, there's a whole set of things that are going to happen. We know that there's a biological process that needs to happen in the body so that labor can actually begin. And there are specific nutrients that are needed to accomplish all of these different biological processes. And if the person is lacking in these nutrients, it's more likely that they will go quite far overdue or they will have a much longer labor and they will experience possibly even more pain during their labor or need more interventions or, you know, ex- which can lead to more complications. So what I'm seeing is that obviously the, the the pregnant body as it's laboring is struggling to get through the process because it doesn't have enough of its own hormone. In the past, this was obviously evident in people that were doing um, IVF, for example, uh, or IUI, where they needed assistance to fall pregnant because there was either a lack of hormones or not sufficient hormones to actually carry the pregnancy in the beginning. And then we can assume that at the end, it may need a little bit of assistance to go into labor and continue the labor forward. But this is starting to happen more and more frequently with people that are not needing this initial assistance to falling pregnant. Even just regular people that have fallen pregnant spontaneously can find themselves in difficulty. And so preparing to have, um, you know, preparing the body for the labor has become really instrumental 
and uh, from my experience of seeing clients who do follow the recommendations that I give them, the labor does progress in a very different way, especially the active labor is it's much more consistent, it's shorter, uh, it's more effective. And so we're having different experiences basically during that time. So I'm sold on this and my clients are sold on this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that more people should hear and know about this, you know, and this should be part of their prenatal preparation. It shouldn't just be preparing about the positions of labor and the stages of labor yeah. and, and, you know, how to cope with pain and what are the pain uh, interventions that can be offered, but also how to actually help your body function effectively in labor and birth. Yeah. How, what can we do to help our body be its best, okay. do, do its job in the best way, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, of course, we know that our food today isn't, you know, the way it was maybe 50, 60, 80, 100 years ago. You know, we have food that we are getting all types of foods out of season in countries uh, because we're importing them or possibly we're importing them still raw. So the nutritional content of our actual food, unfortunately, isn't the way it used to be. And mm -hmm. so we are not always getting all of the nutrition that we need from the food that we're having. And so supplements have become more and more common for people to take uh, as a result of that. So in many cases, it would be a question of if one can afford organic and local food and, you know, the food that is adapted to that time of the year, that is the best food to eat. All right. And this is very different from just, you know, going and taking a takeout that has a bunch of stuff in it that is it, it's still nutrition. Of course, it still has calories. It still is going to give you, you, you energy and sustain you, but it might not have sufficient amount of nutrients that is going to help your body build all those hormones that you need to go into labor. Yeah. So the first thing that we need to understand is that your body actually builds the hormones it needs to go into labor. And, from the uh, food you eat <laughs> from the food you're eating yes and and the supplements that you're taking to bridge the gap between what is lacking in the food um, a lot of the time what we're seeing is that the daily recommendations are your absolute bare minimum to avoid yeah. a problem in of a health problem that doesn't mean that that is the maximum that you should be taking um, in many cases, especially when it comes to certain nutrients, you need oh, vitamins and minerals, you need to take a higher dose of that. So then it becomes really important to know that you have to up, increase the intake of those certain nutrients and uh, vitamins and minerals that we're finding in the food or to supplement in cases, for example, with vitamin D in the northern countries, we're not getting sufficient vitamin D from the sun. And 10 micrograms of vitamin D is your absolute bare minimum to avoid any complications such as rickets. And rickets in the past was a huge problem because that means that the structure of your bones is different and weaker. Yeah. And for a pregnant person, rickets means that the pelvis is misshapen or misformed and therefore can give complications during labor and birth. So luckily today we, we're not dealing with rickets so much anymore, especially in Western countries, uh, where we are able to supplement in certain foods with vitamin D levels, but it's still not sufficient in terms of actually bridging the gap to what you need for the body to function optimally. And we know that even a low-level deficiency in vitamin D will make sure that you have increased pain. So having good levels mm. of vitamin D can actually 
make you cope with pain in a better way. So that is already one huge benefit to increasing vitamin D intake. Absolutely. Um, Another thing that's important to understand is that a lot of time uh, local recommendations in all different countries give you the the lower recommendation daily recommendations and any kind of policy change takes a long time to occur in a medical setting. So even though the research shows us that a pregnant person should be getting at least 100 micrograms of vitamin D, if you go to a doctor in your country and tell them that you want to take that, they will tell you that that is poisonous levels of vitamin D. And yet we have the research showing us that a minimum of 100 micrograms is needed for a pregnant person so that the pregnancy functions and the pregnancy proceeds as best as possible. And there are benefits to having higher level of vitamin D during pregnancy that can safeguard you from preeclampsia, from preterm birth. These are important things. Um, So if we're looking at preeclampsia and preterm births, these are complications that we would want to avoid at all costs because they they, they can be life-threatening, obviously. And uh, one small, simple thing of actually recalibrating the way we look at vitamin D and saying, okay, when you're pregnant, you need higher doses. And then making sure that they're getting magnesium and vitamin C as well to to boost that and to boost the absorbency of that. Then we have the benefit of the side effect of being able to cope better with pain. So I think Mm. that's a win-win. So the evidence is out there. It's just the question of slowly allowing this evidence or demanding, (laughs) if I were to be honest, that this evidence be taken into consideration and and included in prenatal care. Um, So this is the importance of uh, how how nutrition works. We also can see that uh, if we are deficient in one area, that area may be leaning on another area of nutrition, that if I don't have this specific mineral or vitamin, then that one cannot be absorbed sufficiently. And so it makes it almost redundant that it's not working. And so that is why your nutrition needs to actually be something holistic, complete. Right. Without they depend on lacking. each other. That's right. So for example, uh, vegetarians and especially vegans, uh, certain things are not available to them. For example, vitamin B12 is something that a vegan would not get from their food because we find it in animal proteins, animal sources. So they would definitely need to take a supplement of vitamin B12. Another instrumental nutrient that needs to be taken is choline, which is not spoken about. And many prenatal nutrients do not even have that inside of them. But the intake, the the need for choline increases during pregnancy uh, exponentially. So these things need to be acknowledged and people need to be aware of how to get more of this in their system during their pregnancy. So when I look at, at, at preparation for birth, I'm looking at all the different things that need to work for the body to actually work and function synergistically. And so then I'm looking at things like your um, cholesterol. We need the good cholesterol because Mm -hmm. this is the precursor to all of those steroid hormones. And therefore, it's a building block for estrogen. And we need estrogen for the labor to, to commence and continue. So if we don't have good fats in our diet, like, you know, full fat dairy and butter and, you know, the good oils like olive oil, avocado oil, we will run into a problem. 
you know, so uh, that's another thing. Then also looking at your omegas, we, we know that the, the omegas are important, but then there's a shift at the end of the pregnancy that we should move away from taking a certain type of omega and moving on to another one so that there is a better response from the body. We're looking at things like your what, what can make progesterone? So we have heard many times people say eat dates because that will help your labor to progress mm-hmm. better and for the second stage of labor to go faster and your cervix to be more prepared for the labor. Well, there's something in dates that helps the body to produce more pro- progesterone yeah. and uh, more prostaglandin, sorry. So the prostaglandin uh, is what is helping your cervix to get ready for labor and birth. And if you were to be more ready in your body for when those contractions start, you can imagine that the early part of the labor does not have to be really long time. And so uh, in in general, what I'm seeing with with people following a, a good prenatal nutritional diet is that even first-time moms, we're looking at a 13 to 16-hour labor, which is manageable. Uh, we're not looking at days of labor that go nowhere. Uh, Of course, the segment of people that I work with sometimes uh, do have trauma in their past, and trauma is another thing that can impact Mm. on the length of the labor and the quality of the labor. But once the body starts to function effectively, and that's the word that I want people to focus on, is the effectiveness of their contractions. You can have contractions that are coming regularly that seem intense, but they're not effective enough to open up the cervix. This is what I was I was going to ask you about. You said about this ineffective contractions. So this is now exactly what you are to explain. Like, what do you mean by that? You can. So yeah. you can have contractions that are coming even steadily every five or four minutes apart, and they may be lasting even 40, 50 seconds, even up to a minute long. But the, the cervix is not actually responding, and it's not dilating sufficiently to, to reflect what those contractions are doing. And, and this is important because if you're going to have contractions and you're in that state of labor, you want it to be moving forward. You want it to be effective. And uh, if your body just doesn't have enough receptors to create enough oxytocin, the contractions are there. And with time, your resistance to the contraction is lowered. So you do become more tired. So you are less able to cope with it. And also if you're deficient in vitamin D, you're you're having a lower coping level with the contraction. But you're still going through it. So we want to maximize the efficiency of the contraction. We want more receptor sites on on your uterus producing oxytocin so that the contraction that you have is effective in opening up the mouth of the the womb and and allowing that to move away from the baby's head so the baby can then descend and be born. And if if the body just doesn't have enough of those building blocks, it cannot produce more. And this is why sometimes we, we land up that even in labor, we need to augment the labor to give a little bit of a boost to the contractions that are there to make them stronger. Or sometimes at the end of labor, uh, somebody may be suggested to put up a drip to give them that initial boost, to give them the power to get their baby out. Because especially if you're having a very long, drawn-out labor, the uterus does get tired. And so it needs a little bit of help to finish off. And uh, the body was designed to work efficiently. And when it's not doing that, it gets tired. I mean, Mm. and we understand that. (laughs) 
And we, we can see like if, yeah, yeah, if at the basis of it we are going off of the assumption that the, the body will work effectively, then we can kind of assume that when it doesn't, this is a kind of a flag to to look at why that may be, and nutrition is a big part of that. And mm. you know, it's similar like and we did speak about this in the episode with Sonia about comparing a laboring person to an athlete. Yes. And the preparing the athlete with nutrition um, is, is very similar because it is a very big kind of physical event, demand. physical acts of birth, of, yeah, demand of birthing and of running. <laughs> let's say if you compare it to like a professional marathon runner, let's say. So they too get this and in a way, when I said in the beginning that we don't really think about nutrition for birth, we, we do very much think about nutrition for, for athletes. Yes, and we give importance to it. And they also understand the, the, the benefit of optimal hydration, that yeah. the body cannot function if it's not hydrated sufficiently and properly. And yeah. that's one thing that nobody talks about. In pregnancy as well as during labor, hydration is extremely important. And yeah. by hydration, I'm not talking about just drinking a glass of water every now and then. I'm talking about actually replenishing certain uh, essential minerals that we, we lose through sweating and, and movement that we need to replenish the body with. If, if a, a person is mildly dehydrated in their labor, they will have hectic contractions that, again, are not actually doing much to the cervix. Uh, and then with a little bit of correction of, you know, with a hydration, with a, a drink that gives all of these nutrients back into the body, suddenly we see a change in the contraction pattern and the intensity of the contractions and the effectiveness of the contraction. So something as little as hydration can already change the course of the whole event. And yes, when a, a, a runner is preparing, they are very much aware of what they're putting into their body because also when they're preparing for their marathon, they want to have sustained energy throughout the race. They're not mm -hmm. looking to get a sugar high that will drop them and then mm -hmm. take another load of sugar and go high and not as high as before, but drop lower than before. And this up and down, the body isn't actually designed to handle that. Whereas a slow, steady progression of, you know, um, release of energy will carry them through the race. And the same exact thing happens during labor and birth. We need to start out with good, solid meal that will help to boost the energy level and give a sustained, continuous energy release throughout the labor and the birth. So it's strange how we, we, we don't focus on pregnancy and birth <laughs> in the way we should nearly enough when we compare it to other things, like you said, with a marathon runner. <laughs> yes, exactly. In the pregnancy, you're not only just eating for you, you're actually eating for the baby as well and, and to create a, a good microbiome. That's another thing that's really lacking from education in pregnancy is how important your own microbiome as a pregnant person is because you are building the microbiome for your baby. And, uh, you know, yeah. many people are aware that, okay, the baby gets a microbiome through the, the vaginal birth, but actually this starts being created already before the birth. The, the, mm. the first and primary place that the baby is starting to create its own microbiome is through the placenta. And what mm. you eat affects the placenta. So if your gut is not healthy, we cannot 
assume to think that the placenta will have a healthy microbiome to pass on to the child. So any kind of thing that disrupts your in uh, your gut health needs to be addressed and needs to be corrected. So any antibiotic use needs to be followed with a, a good quality probiotic as well as prebiotics to help you absorb the probiotic more efficiently. Uh, fermented foods are all usually on the no-no list, but the benefit of the fermented foods outweigh the, the potential risk of those foods if they're bought from reliable sources. There's a lot that needs to be looked at and, and really understood. And uh, very few people will go to a nutritionist during their pregnancy mm. to, to actually find out what they should be taking or not taking. Even for um, people in, in uh, uh, you know, with fertility issues, they, they're not being advised to look at their diet and change their diet. You know, things like caffeinated drinks and the sugar, mm. sugar that hides in all different places and people are not even aware of them. Sugar causes inflammation in the body. The body does not work well when it is inflamed. And already during yeah. the pregnancy, the pregnancy is considered an inflammatory state. So why would you yeah. want to add to that state? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also to create a pregnancy, the the body doesn't really want to be inflamed in that moment. So if it's not if it's reacting as a not good environment, it's harder for the pregnancy to take in that moment. So one should maximize everything by um, being able to include probiotic foods and uh, fermented foods that help to create the microbiome so that it's already there and working by the time we have the pregnancy and building that placenta and feeding the microbiome of the unborn child. And then, of course, during the birth, everything follows through. Then the microbiome in the vagina will also be healthier. The microbiome of the you know, the the parental skin will also be healthier. And so the baby is now gathering all these different sources and starts off with a good microbiome of its own in the first few days of life. And this comes from nutrition. (laughs) Yeah, it's really, really, really amazing. And I want to give you the opportunity also to talk then about what it is that you actually give to your clients. How does the process with you look like in that sense or what do you teach your clients who take you on as a doula or just if people want to take you just as nutritional preparation okay so up until recently i was uh, basically uh, educating my clients about the prenatal nutrition for labor so just before 36 weeks we would start to talk about what are the foods that they need to increase in their daily food intake why these foods were necessary so i have a whole little little ebook that I give them where I explain why this is needed, what it's needed for and how the, you know, where to find elements in food for, for that specific nutrient or vitamin and mineral. And then they can start to see how one thing impacts on the other. And then they're understanding, okay, so if I'm eating this, I need to incorporate more of that. And then I will have this, this, and this from these things. Uh, I also include sometimes herbal things into the into their consumption because there are some herbal teas that can really benefit in pregnancy as well as the postpartum. And so the, there's a, a little bit of information about that. And this is something that I do with all my clients that I see. Then recently I decided why not actually make this available as a workshop where people can actually listen to me talking about this and going through the booklet. And then they get the booklet as well to then set them on a path of preparing for labor and birth. 
And uh, that, that has been great. And now I'm moving it on to a, another level where I'm starting to prepare a booklet with actual recipes so that I can help one step further where people don't have to think too much how to put the, the elements together, but they can actually just that is do a perfect. recipe. <laughs> And cook it and eat it and know that they've got all the the right things in yes. that meal that prepares their body for labor oh, and birth. Yeah. So that that's going to be coming shortly in the next couple of months as well. Um, and uh, so yeah, so it can be either through me as a doula that you you're getting it, you know, as a doula client, or you can contact me and then just uh, purchase the the little bundle separately, and then you're on your own doing that. Obviously, I'm always available via email or message to ask specific questions. Um, but it's really, really something that I've grown to be passionate about <laughs> mm. uh, because I can see the difference. I see the difference. You know, if I didn't see a difference, it would be just in the theory. Exactly. And then this is the kind of the result part of it. So we recognize yeah. the problem, the problem that sometimes labor can stall or that the contractions are not effective. And you've been offering nutrition as one of the solutions. And you mentioned how what you do with your clients and what you teach. And so now we can kind of wrap it up with with the result, which we talked about a little bit, but you, you said you noticed the differences. See moms coping better with their contractions. Uh, I do see a, a, a much shorter first part of the labor, the first stage, and I see a much quicker active part of labor, more yeah. power in the pushing phase for the client, uh, even in first-time moms when, you know, usually they say, oh, first time, you know, the pregnant person might not be able to kind of figure out how to push their baby out. I'm seeing a lot more success in pushing babies out without needing coaching um, because they're following their bodies. Um, even if they do get coached, it's more efficient. Mm -hmm. So overall, also part of the preparation is to bring more elasticity to the skin. And so I'm seeing a lot less need for interventions to, you know, cut an episiotomy, for example. I'm seeing much less tearing or, yeah. you know, the tearing is very minimal, not like really bad tearing. So the skin is already working more elastically to allow the baby's head out with minimal damage. I'm also seeing clients with less stretch marks as a result if they're doing the prenatal nutrition from before 36 weeks. So already mm -hmm. from early first trimester, if they are already on that path of nutrition, then they're already increasing more collagen-rich foods that help the, the, the skin be more elastic. Yeah, so the, there's many different ways of seeing it. And overall, they are healthier. If they are getting like an, a flu or something, they're able to overcome the flu quite quickly. I'm not seeing too many people getting flus and colds just before their due dates, which is really great because it could be really mm. horrible <laughs> to mm -hmm. have a flu when you go into labor. So yeah. it does boost their immune system as well, uh, keeping them as healthy as possible, especially in the end of the pregnancy where we know that the immune system's a little bit depressed and, and getting ready for the birth. It's very easy to get, you know, bugs and flus at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so perhaps the next question would be, where could people get this offering from you? Currently, I do offer it, uh, I mean, on Instagram, every now and then I have promotions about it, but people can obviously text me uh, directly if they are here in Finland. Otherwise, they can email me on rosalie at birth.fi. 
Um, all my contact details are available on my website, birth.fi, and uh, or through Instagram or Facebook, any which way they want to get hold of me, mm. then we can discuss how they can get hold of this. Mm. Uh, I'm working on a little shop front for my website as well, so then people can just go there and uh, purchase uh, the download, and then they will get an email with the downloaded workshop, the masterclass, and then the, the workbook as well that yeah. follows with it. Yeah, that's really convenient. And for doula services? Uh, the same way. They, they can contact me also through my website or through Instagram or Facebook. Um, and then we can have a free one-on-one -on -one, uh, discussion. We, we call it a discovery call to find out if we're a good fit and uh, how I can help you. And then we take it from there. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. And, of course, also through the Nest, we have all our contact mm. details on our Nest um, website as well as on social media for the Nest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was really insightful. There's so much to learn about nutrition and, and this kind of topic and understanding that our body is made of something, <laughs> like that it matters what we put into our body and our food and um, that it makes Definitely. up the building blocks, as you said. For, yes, for the way we function, the way we feel. I think that's like in terms of postpartum, and you mentioned that you're also working on that. From my experience of postpartum also, when we look at uh, emotions, I mean, it's also part of hormones and hormones are chemicals of and course, chemicals is yes. food. So we really yes. see how that those things are are connected and interrelated and affecting our, our mood, Definitely. our emotions. Well, you know, yeah. when we're releasing endorphins and oxytocin, if we don't have enough to release enough, we don't feel the full extent of that. Mm -hmm. And your endorphins are your feel-good hormone. You know, it's your natural painkiller. It gives you that, that high. And if there's not enough being released, you don't have that feeling. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Is there right. anything else to add before we finish for today? Or um, I mean, there's so much to add, but I think we're going to maybe wrap it up here <laughs> simply Ooh. because otherwise we that's overwhelm on your mommy. people. <laughs> but uh, okay. if anybody has any questions, they're, they're more than welcome yeah. to um, come, you know, text me or get a hold of me and ask me more in-depth questions. I'd be happy to help wherever I can. That's wonderful. Rosalia, thank you for taking time to be on today's episode. <laughs> it was this much was really... Thank you for having me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was really enlightening for me too. And uh, I'm sure that for our listeners as well. Great. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Have a good day. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode and welcome back next week. Just before you go, I want to ask you a question. Do you want postpartum support from people around you but struggle with asking for help? Do you feel awkward to have this kind of conversation? Are you not really sure what to say? I've got you covered and I've created just the guide for you. It's a word-for-word -word script that will help you feel confident to have this hard conversation. You will also receive the three crucial elements for a request for help, which will turn it from a nice idea into a reality. 
Until now, this script has been used only by my clients, and this will be the first time that it is offered for free. It's your chance to receive a great tool which has guided many of my clients in overcoming their fear of asking for help and allowed them to build their village. Do you want the guide that will help you build yours? You can download it now by visiting motherstransition.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Birthing in Finland podcast. To get the show notes for this episode, go to doulacollective.fi forward slash birthing in Finland. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and share this with someone who you think needs to hear it. A friend, a colleague, a neighbor. Help us get the word out so that more families can start enjoying these conversations. See you next time when I introduce you to another amazing person supporting families just like yours.